This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. integrity series that we've been covering, we've been talking about lots of reasons why it can be challenging or difficult to remain in integrity. And one of the reasons is fear of the consequences, fear of the consequences when we do right. So if we think about the workplace, I have talked to so many people who've been faced with challenges of integrity, where people in leadership, maybe their bosses, expect them to fudge some numbers, expect them to lie about certain things, expect them to say that the company is doing better than it really is doing, put the wrong numbers in the books, put the wrong information on an expense report, and so on and so forth. And those of us who really are the people of God, we know that what may start out or seem as small acts of compromise are huge acts of violations of integrity, and they cause harm to ourselves, harm to the organizations. And at the end of the day, what would really happen if there's ever a crisis or the books get audited and you're the CFO and somebody like the CEO has instructed you to do the wrong thing and you've done it, at the end of the day, you will be held accountable and you're the fall person for that. So we don't ever want to have to go to prison or suffer some negative consequences because we're doing the wrong thing. Now, there are times, however, when you may be doing the right thing and you still might suffer some negative consequences. So I want us to take a look at the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul was always in trouble with the authorities for talking about this new way, this new doctrine that the old guard of the religious leaders just didn't believe in, didn't accept. And in fact, they wanted to stamp that message out and they wanted to stamp him out. So I'm just going to mention a couple of places where he went, a few things that happened in those locations. And this is just a subset of all the trouble that Paul experienced in his lifetime going around talking about this good news message, which wasn't good news to other people. And so keep in mind that people won't always like it and they won't always respond well, even when you're doing something that is the right thing. And frequently people want to kill the messenger. And sometimes you could be in a position to be pointing out an error or a difficulty or a problem or a place where the company is not operating in integrity, and you will be seen as the messenger that needs to be silenced. So that can also happen as well. In Acts, the 14th chapter, we see an account where Paul is actually in Iconium. And there are many people, both Jews and Gentiles, who believe the message that Paul is espousing at that time. However, there's another group of the Jewish people who don't believe in what he's saying. And so they're following him around to these Gentile cities because Paul ended up 
being tagged as the apostle to the Gentiles. So as he's going to these Gentile cities, many of his Jewish brethren are following him and going there and they're stirring up the cities and telling the people not to listen to Paul and disrupting, if you will, the ministry. So in this particular case, they were planning to stone Paul in that particular city. So he fled to Lystra and Derby and to other places. So then we see him in Lystra, Lystra when he comes there. And the people in that local region try to worship Paul when he gets there. And of course, he wasn't going to accept worship. He's not God. And so he taught the people about the real God, who God was. God in distinction to the idols that they were worshiping. And again, his Jewish brethren from Antioch and Iconium came down to persuade the multitudes not to listen to him. So the people, they stoned Paul and they left him for dead. Now he didn't die, but they thought he was dead and that's how they, he left him. Then in Acts the 19th chapter, we find in Ephesus that Paul gets caught up in a riot. And the riot was because of Demetrius, who was Diana, a false god that they believed in, an idol they had set up to her. And so there were a lot of silversmiths in town who were building these shrines to Diana. And they were saying and chanting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And they had such a riot because Paul was trying to talk about this god that they didn't know and hadn't heard of. And they thought that this was a threat to Diana and particularly to those whose livelihood was tied up in creating idols to Diana. So it required the city clerk to come in and to quiet down the crowds. And then, you know, he ultimately has to leave again. Then in Acts the 21st and 22nd chapter, we're going to see Paul coming into Jerusalem. And prior to getting to Jerusalem, this is now getting towards the latter years of his life. He knows he stops and visits the churches along the way before he gets to Jerusalem. And he knows it's the last time he's going to see them before he is killed. And they tell him the different prophets, not false prophets, but true prophets, let him know you're going to run into trouble when you get to Jerusalem. You're going to be bound and this is going to happen to you. And so on. And Paul does not let any of that deter him. He knows that his ministry and mandate at this stage is to take him to Jerusalem because it's from Jerusalem that he ultimately is going to end up in Rome and have a chance to minister in Rome. So when he's in Jerusalem, he's falsely accused because his Jewish brethren claimed that he brought a Gentile into the temple, which would have been against the law. And he did not, in fact, do that. But because he was traveling with some Gentile people, they thought that he had brought a Gentile into the temple, but he had not actually done that. So ultimately they seize him, they drag him out of the temple, they're beating him, they're trying to kill him. And finally, the the, yes, the Roman soldiers and authorities, they have to come and they have to stop the attack that's on Paul. But he asked for permission to speak. So they give him permission to speak. He speaks to the people and he's telling the story of his conversion. He's telling the story of how he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, because remember, Paul was a huge persecutor of the church. He did not believe in any of these things until he himself had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And so he explained to them that Jesus told him that he was going to send him far away where he would be preaching to the Gentiles. And as soon as he said that in his speech, the Jewish brethren, they got so upset that they said, away with you from the earth. You're not even fit to live. 
And it was so severe, they started tearing their clothes, throwing dust in the air, and to the point where, again, the Roman authorities had to intervene. They had to order Paul into the barracks for his own protection. And while he was in the barracks and while they were awaiting the trial they were going to have with the Sanhedrin, there were some plots that were you know, coming up later on against his life and so on and so forth. But when he appeared before the Sanhedrin, he, start, he, he made the argument about the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in life after death and the resurrection, and the Sadducees didn't. And so he brought that up as the argument, and that's what they ended up fussing and fighting over. But ultimately, he's in prison for his own protection, in a sense, and his sister's son discovers that there's a plot. The people are plotting that when they take Paul out of the prison to bring him to the governor, Felix, the next day, many had taken an oath that they weren't going to eat any food or drink anything until they had killed him. And they were planning to lay in wait and have an ambush and kill him before he could get to the governor. So his sister's son came, told Paul about it. Paul sent him to the Roman guards Uh, the head of the guard to tell him what was going on. So under cover of darkness in the night, they actually removed Paul at that time and took him to the governor, Felix. Paul appeared before him. He later appeared before King Agrippa as well. And he had appealed to Caesar. So he went to Caesar. He spent a number of years in Rome ministering there while imprisoned there before he would have his hearing uh, before Caesar. And, you know, the earlier authorities have said if he hadn't appealed to Caesar, he could have been let go because he really hadn't committed any crimes worthy of death or worthy of even any punishment. However, Paul knew that this was the route that God was using to get him to Rome so that he could preach the gospel to even the members of the household of Caesar so that the message would spread even further. So he went through a lot of hardship, a lot of beatings, a lot of stonings, a lot of running out of cities and everything else because he was standing in integrity with the truth that he was espousing, even though people disagreed with what he was saying. And so my questions to you today are these, are you willing to die for what is right? Are you willing to die for the truth? Number two, do you trust God, whether you live or die? And no matter what happens to you, Do you trust God? Three, are you willing to lose your position, to lose your job in the workplace because you stand in integrity? Many people have voluntarily left jobs because of integrity violations that they were asked to participate in, and others were fired. So are you willing to lose your position or your job? And four, are you willing to be imprisoned for doing what is right. Because Paul certainly was. That didn't bother him and it didn't concern him. I understand that these are tough choices and decisions and not one that any of us really want to choose. And especially when there's no reason for us to be imprisoned or to lose a good job and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that God is the one who is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, whether we have that job or not he will still provide for our needs. So as we conclude today, I want to share out of the book of Philippians, the third chapter, and this is Paul. And he's thinking about the days coming towards the end of his life and how he's lived. And he's talking about 
where true treasure is and what's profitable and what's really of gain. And he says, but what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.